It's Livin' the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. This week's Live in the Bream, we have the focus where it should be because our country is recognizing Veterans Day and all of us have veterans in our lives, people that we love and know, maybe family members, people that we work with. Um, But for a lot of people, they don't have a military experience. And so we want to make sure that folks remember veterans are all throughout our communities and they have all different kinds of interests and needs. And one of my favorites is a Marine because never a former Marine, as my late father would say, hurrah, right. welcoming to um, Living the Bream today, Cole Lyle, who is the executive director of Mission Roll Call, and he's involved in so many other things. But Cole, it's great to have you with us. Yeah, absolutely, Shannon. Thanks for having me. So first of all, let's start there. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience as a veteran returning to civilian life um, and just the unique understanding you have of all the different things that veterans need help with. Yeah. Uh, so I joined the Marine Corps in 2008. Uh, my mom, you know, t- was raising three kids on her own and said, you can go to school, join the military or get a job, but you're not staying in my house. And I was self-aware enough at the time to know that uh, I probably wouldn't take college as seriously as I needed to. And I didn't have the money anyways. Uh, so the military was a great option for me. And I served for six years. I went to Afghanistan in 2011, which is the uh, peak surge period for mm-hmm. President Obama's uh, surge and came back and had some issues with post-traumatic stress uh, that the physicians flagged for me when I came back and tried to utilize the the VA system, uh, was prescribed sleep aids and antidepressants, uh, didn't work for me, tried prolonged exposure, didn't work for me. So, uh, you know, I was going through a divorce and, and got out of the Marine Corps in 2014, didn't have a job, wasn't in school, uh, was in a really, really tough patch as mm-hmm. as you know, some other veterans have experienced. And I almost became a veteran suicide statistic. And, you know, I had probably been drinking too much that night. And uh, another Marine came over and uh, Semper Fidelis was there to help me out of that rut. But I can't explain it except for divine intervention. The next day, um, I told you I'd, I'd probably been drinking a little too much. And I woke up and I wasn't hung over at all. I was just completely clear. And the verse that kind of stuck out to me, was Second Timothy one seven, which is uh, for God does not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self discipline. And I knew that I wanted to. Now that uh, my mind, sh- my mindset shifted from I have nothing to I have the opportunity to do anything. So I decided to you know go into uh, public service, and I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, um, but I only had one friend that worked. Uh, you know, in politics. So I asked her how to get plugged in. I did. And inadvertently, um, you know, I I still had to find a way to mitigate my symptoms of post-traumatic stress without using the pills and the therapy. So I ultimately got a service dog and paid about $10,000 of my own money Mm -hmm. to get her trained. Her name was Kaya. When I went to DC to try to get involved in in public service, uh, Senator Tillis from North Carolina stopped me on the street because I'm, you know, I wasn't blind. I didn't have a limb missing. So people were curious, why does this guy have a service dog? And he was willing to listen. And it was at that point that I realized if he's willing to listen, other people are probably willing to listen too. So I drafted what became known as the Pause Act, Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members, and lobbied for that as a full-time college student at Texas A&M when I went back to school. And that's kind of how I got into veteran advocacy. And then when I graduated, moved to D.C., worked on Capitol Hill on defense uh, and veterans policy for about three years, 
worked at the VA and, and found myself in the nonprofit space now with Mission Roll Call. Yeah. And I mean, listen, Kaya is, if people know anything about you, they know about sweet Kaya and yeah. um, she was such a part of your story. And when you talk about the fact that you had to spend $10,000 to bring her into your life, um, we think about veterans who I have no idea where they would put that money together. And you've now, that's one of your missions now is helping other folks to get the dogs they need that are not only companions, but really kind of life-saving for them in many situations. Yeah. So the Paws Act was designed to uh, get more dogs in the hands of veterans by providing grant funding to uh, nonprofits that provide them for free for veterans. Uh, that actually, it took years, but that ended up passing. President Biden signed it in August of 2021 uh, in the middle of the Afghanistan withdrawal, which was a kind of a diamond in, in the rough patch of, of that period of time. And then, you know, ultimately, when Kaya passed away, I mean, the reason I did the Pause Act in the first place was because I wanted other veterans to have the same resources that mm -hmm. I had going, going through that stuff. Exactly. Similarly, I wanted veterans, uh, when Kaya got sick with cancer, you know, Gary Sinise is a friend of mine, and and offered to pay for uh, her procedure. Uh, Texas A&M offered to pay for her procedure, but veterans with other service dogs don't tend to have those resources. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do the same thing uh, with Kai's canines, uh, which is kind of a effort that I'm doing right now outside of Mission Roll Call um, to provide veterans with emergency veterinary care when their service dogs get sick, because these dogs are supposed to be mental, emotional prosthetics. Um, and they shouldn't add more stress when they're trying to care for these veterans. Yeah, because that's the last thing our veterans need. So let's talk about mission roll call because um, that is the heart of what you're doing too. And yeah. you've been open and talked about, and we hear the statistics about our veterans who are struggling and thinking about suicide and how many we lose on that front. So what can we be doing better to meet them where they are? Is it mental health? Is it employment services? Is it a combo of different things? A hundred percent. It's a conglomeration of a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, it, it's actually a relatively small percentage of veterans that are diagnosed with a mental health condition related to their service. Um, unemployment is at its lowest rate, uh, I think, in a, a decade or more. Um, when veterans get out, they you know, their identity a lot of times was wrapped up in, in military service because, mm -hmm. you know, they joined many like me at a high school. They you know, had brothers and sisters they served with that they made lifelong connections with. Um, they get out and we spend about 13 weeks in boot camp learning how to be a Marine, soldier, sailor, airman. Uh, and there's very little equivalent to transitioning back to civilian life. So you're going through a loss kind of a, of identity. You're trying to get a job. Uh, maybe you have a family and you're moving cross country. Uh, maybe you do have a service-connected mental health issue. Um, so one of the efforts Mission Roll Call has been working on is trying to get community uh, providers closer to uh, the veterans in their local communities that they serve. And one of the ways we're doing that is by advocating for Congress to increase the VA's budget for what are called FOX grants. Uh, and these grants are up to $750,000 per organization per year on the ground uh, in the community uh, doing work that the VA either doesn't have the bandwidth to do um, or uh, they have connections in the veteran community that the VA won't ever have because only 50 percent 
of veterans in the United States actually are enrolled in VA or interact with VA. Oh, wow. So community providers are essential in suicide prevention and access to care and making sure that we can be more upstream and catch some of these issues that veterans are going through before it gets to that crisis point. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bream today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bream. So how do people who want to uh, access those services, let's talk both sides, the provider and the person who is coming to look for the services, um, first of all, how would the person find those services or a family or friend um, who's worried about somebody and says, you know, I want to be able to find places to to send them? Because often part of the despair is just feeling like there's a dead end. There's not anywhere to go for help. Is, is there a good clearinghouse or a place for people to look? Yeah, there are a lot of resources at the national, state, and local level. And um, honestly, I feel like a lot of veterans, when they do a Google search of these different resources that they have, it's kind of like paralysis by analysis because uh -huh. there's over 60,000 veteran service organizations across the country mm -hmm. that are registered to help veterans. I would argue that maybe one third to one fourth of them are uh, are really doing good, solid work on the ground. Um, there's a organization, America's Warrior Partnership, that has uh, what's called the Veterans Network that people can go to. American Warrior Partnerships website, um, go to that network, submit a, uh, a, a, not a claim, but submit what their issue is. Uh, and the organization will refer them to resources, uh, either national, state, or local that they can use for their specific issue. If it's transportation, if it's unemployment, whatever the case may be. Um, but there are a lot of different organizations. You can go to the VA's own website and look up some of the resources that you have from the government side, uh, you know, the American Legion, the VFW, you can get plugged in and there are veteran service officers that can help you. There's tons of resources um, for civilians that may be worried about their friend or family member that's a veteran that may be going through some stuff. Um, you know, just gently encourage them if you if you notice them struggling with something and, and try to be upstream about it. Try to be proactive instead of reactive. Mm -hmm. um, you obviously can't force them to do anything, uh, but as long as you show that you care and you love them, um, they're more inclined to to take your advice. Mm -hmm. Now, what about folks who are out there and they want to help? They're trying to help the best that they know how. Maybe they've started a volunteer organization. Maybe they need to dial into these grants that would help them to be more effective if they're a legitimate group to partner with. How do they go about um, accessing resources that they can then funnel towards veterans? So is the question, if you have an organization or if you're just a civilian in the community 
um, trying to refer veterans or, or how they can help with these organizations. Um, yeah, if I, you're an organization, but you're like, I, we're just a small group, we know that we could be helpful with these grants. There's a way that we already have some pipelines going and things, but we could use the help. Um, how would they go about, because I'm sure that the government has a pretty stringent process, I would think about kind of vetting and making sure that these people will actually be helpful. Is there a good you know, direction for them if they're looking to tap into some of those resources to then share? Yeah, uh, on the VA's website and and most state organizations, you're right, it is uh, kind of an extensive process to apply for some of, of this grant funding. Um, if you're a small organization and you don't have the bandwidth to do it because you are focused uh, like a laser on your on your programs, um, you know, hiring a contract grant writer, there are there is so much money, Shannon, out there mm-hmm. for these groups um, across the country with uh, philanthropic foundations, uh, government entities, all sorts of different opportunities. Um, you just, I mean, honestly, it's as simple as kind of googling a list of of uh, companies, foundations that have these kind of philanthropic efforts. Obviously, the VA, uh, the Department of Defense. Um, and, and going out and applying for those. Um, now, if you don't know what you're doing, you could you know, ask other people in your community for help that have experience with grant writing. You can hire uh, somebody to help you out with that. Um, but there's tons of resources. So just dig around and get after it is <laughs> basically. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, do I, the work. Yeah, I, I uh, as a nonprofit executive, um, I you know I spend a, a decent amount of time, and I know other nonprofit executives that spend a lot of time uh, grant writing because the reality is you want to be very um, you know helpful. You want to focus on your programs, but you can't you can't have a program if you don't have the funding. Um, mm-hmm. Nonprofits are kind of a business just like any other business, um, and. You know, um, if you want to be successful, you have to be focused on your mission, but you have to also focus on being sustainable as an organization and partnering with other groups in your community uh, for volunteer opportunities and, and help um, or or applying for those uh, national, state uh, or corporate grants are, are great, great ways to have more impact. What about access to healthcare? Because you, I was surprised when you said uh, the percentages of veterans that have any kind of contact with the VA. Um, my stepdad is a Navy vet, and he mm-hmm. is one of those who's had a, a great experience. I mean, I've reported on a lot of not great experiences, but for him, I mean, they got him through colon cancer, um, all of his very serious medical care. Um, the veterans hospitals that he's been associated with in Florida have, in our family's experience, been very good for him. So. What about this idea of access to healthcare? Um, why aren't more veterans plugged into the VA system, or can it only handle so much at this point? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of different answers to that question. To be honest with you, um, there's a common saying amongst veterans that if you've been to one VA, you've been to one VA. Um, and I saw this as a congressional staffer, uh, and then working at VA central office. There are some VAs that are great because uh, you know, their, their local leadership team is really bought in to working with community organizations. And that's ultimately what it boils down to. You have places like uh, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth area, you have places like the Panhandle uh, in Florida, mm-hmm. um, all these places that have really tight-knit communities. And oftentimes I find um, it's because there are uh, corporations locally that really wanna do good philanthropic work partnering with local organizations to help veterans, um, but also because uh, you have like strong social fabric and social networks in those communities um, that inherently will just, you know, if a veteran is struggling, they may not know the resource, but they'll know somebody that 
know somebody that has a resource that they can, mm-hmm. uh, that they can utilize. Um, part of the reason is some veterans have private health insurance, so they just don't want to mess with the bureaucracy mm-hmm. at VA. Um, and, but there's a large swath that hear horror stories from other veterans, uh, and they, they steer clear of the VA cause they just don't want to deal with the same headache and frustration. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's where those Fox grants come in and are so valuable is because, um, if that is the case with veterans that are just never going to use the VA because they don't trust it, or they've heard horror stories, they will use a nonprofit in their local community. And so the VA providing funding to these organizations um, is really a, a huge leverage uh, for the VA to conduct outreach, but also to make sure these veterans are getting the health care that they deserve. Yeah. I mean, because it's something that you don't want people to miss resource that, resources that are out there. So, uh, you know, the idea of the awareness of them, the accessibility of them. Um, what are some of the other issues that you like to focus on and that you'd like, you know, average Americans, whether they've got military experience or not, to be aware of when it comes to our veterans? 80% of veterans have an immediate family member that served, uh, and less than 1% of Americans serve on active duty in any given year, meaning that military service is really becoming a family business. Mm-hmm. And Mission Roll Call did a national research poll last year, which you can access on our website, um, that found that 68% of Generation Z does not know somebody on active duty or a veteran. Wow. Um, And then, you know, you couple that with the fact that our public discourse, like we're going through, you know, uh, primary debates right now. Um, I've been kind of disappointed, honestly, that I haven't heard really any discussion about uh, veteran issues uh, being being brought up, because the reality is the VA is the second largest federal agency uh, and the largest healthcare system in the country, serving uh, 17.4 million veterans across the United States. So really, my advice to civilians uh, would be. Just, you know, go to Mission Roll Call's website, learn about some of the issues that we're working on, um, you know, volunteer at your local uh, veteran service organizations, find out how you can help. Um, you know, from a public policy perspective, uh, there's a lot that I could talk about. But if there's one message I want to get across to you know, a civilian maybe listening to this on, on Veterans Day is, is just get involved. And just if you don't know a veteran, get involved with a local organization and listen to their stories, uh, because that's the only way we're going to honor their service is is by remembering their sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are folks all around us in our communities. Like you said, it, it is startling to me when I hear the statistics about younger generations not knowing people. Um, and, and we think about how, I think about at the Supreme Court, you know, there was a time when um, there were multiple people on the bench that had worn the uniform and had military service. Or you think about it on Capitol Hill, thank goodness there are some veterans, but the numbers used to be different when different generations, um, more of them had served because of things that the world had gone through, our country had gone through and conflicts. But um, you know, if you're out there advocating and you have somebody who's worn the uniform, they're going to understand it <laughs> in a different way. And I do worry that um, a, a lot of folks out there will just not have the experience of knowing somebody who has served in any capacity. So um, I do think just that awareness and having a personal conversation with somebody who has served or is in uniform now, that those are the kinds of things that really make a difference. I mean, um, 
you know, we think about being in the airport and every time you're jostling up there to get in line, they're like, okay, mm-hmm. first, but we're, we're boarding our veterans and we're boarding our active duty military. And right. it's always a nice little reminder, like, okay, whatever hurry that I'm in, let's stop and let these men and women on this plane. And everybody seems very respectful of it. So I'm grateful that there's still that attitude among most Americans out there. Um, but certainly it helps when people know personal stories and have personal connections. Yeah. And that's one of the things, the other things that Mission Roll Call does, like our number one priority is veteran suicide prevention Um, and different organizations are going to have different priorities. I know that you had somebody on your show recently talking about being a caregiver and and, Mm -hmm. uh, the TAPS program. Our number one priority is is suicide prevention. And and we find we go across the country and we highlight local nonprofits, um, individual veterans that have stories about all manner of different things. Uh, because we want the data that we collect from veterans. We've got over a million veterans that have opted into our digital advocacy network. We want to humanize the data. Mm-hmm. So we go around and we tell these stories um, because it, it helps the average individual person. When you talk about suicide prevention or you talk about being a caregiver, um, if there's some sort of emotional connection that they have, especially if they don't know somebody, because you're absolutely right. It's critical. You're more inclined to be active and get involved in these issues if you have a personal story or know somebody uh, that went went through one of these things. And unfortunately, now there's seems to be less and less people with those connections. Um, So it's going to be more important than ever for nonprofits to educate the American public and and educate policymakers in Washington, D.C. and state houses across the country. Right before we go, please tell us how we can find out about the work you're doing, how people can be supportive web, social media, where can we find you? Everywhere. Uh, missionrollcall.org is our website. You know, we put out blog posts every month. Um, all of our content is, is on that website that you can peruse. Uh, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, people can connect with us there. And, and just, you know, if you want to uh, get more involved, consider a, a donation. Everything helps. And, uh, but missionrollcall.org is, is the one-stop shop. Awesome. Well, we can never repay the debt enough of you serving our country in uniform and now serving so many other people and looking out for them uh, and making us aware of how we can also get involved too. Cole Lyle, always great to talk with you. Please come back soon and keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Shannon. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.